It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. to dominate. Number one, Jeff Perry. Nobody is going to take this away from me. This is mine once again. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Week in Review, AEW edition, though. And um, it's really rainy and snowy here, and it's cold, and it's one of those stay inside kind of days, but uh, apparently we're going to Ikea, so that's not happening. However, if my voice sounds slightly ASMR-esque, that is exactly why. It's just, it's that kind of day, and we're doing something a little bit different this week. Uh, I, for those of you that follow me on the Twitter, if you don't, it's at Mimi Burris. You can follow me on the Twitter, or you don't have to. I'll be okay either way. I won't know about it. Um, you know that this week has been just another crazy week, uh, in the world of, of my life. So, I decided we change it up a little bit this weekend because I wasn't able to hop on Thursday morning, Thursday evening, Wednesday evening and do a Dynamite review. I figured uh, this was an eventful week altogether with Revolution, Dynamite, and Rampage. 
let's talk about the whole thing all together. And so clearly, we are not going to cover every topic. Uh, there's a lot to go over. There were a lot of debuts, as always, because AEW just seems to throw debuts at the wall and see what sticks. I guess that is the benefit of having more money than I could even try to imagine obtaining in my lifetime. Uh, and so, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some turns. We're going to talk about some factions breaking up, some new factions, a whole lot to get into you guys. And, um, and so without further ado, we've already played the intro. I was going to say, if you guys don't do the DMD along with the intro, you're not a human being to me. Uh, you can be a human being to yourself, but I don't know if you're a human being to me. And, um, we're just going to get into it. We're going to quickly plug Patreon, which is only a dollar a month to get all these ads. All these ads. You won't. You will get no ads if you subscribe to Patreon. But if you do subscribe to Patreon, you'll get all these shows ad-free. Uh, you can also subscribe on iTunes to do the exact same thing. So we got options for you. We got options here. And there are a bunch of other amazing shows on this podcast with an NXT review from Zach Smith, who I owe a text back to. Uh, we've got a SmackDown review show, we've got a Raw review show, a Weekend review, a WWE edition, uh, and, and so much more. So make sure you are checking out everybody's wonderful shows here on the WWE Podcast. And now let's talk about AEW, guys. And uh, I don't really know where to start, but I guess the perfect place is to kick off chronologically as we usually do. And we're probably going to do a lot of jumping around here, but... We're going to start off with the revolution and, and just go over a few things that happened on the pre-show uh, real quick. Hook, what what is there to say about a hook match that hasn't been said already, you guys? Always phenomenal, always great, always so over. Just I'm loving what, what's happening. I'm loving the phenomenon that is um, Hook. F- fun fact, um, I don't, It's not maybe it's not that fun, but I was uh, texting my brother who's kind of a, you know, kind of casually watches the show uh Definitely knows what we're talking about here, but is not nearly probably as into it as, as some of you might be and, and myself probably. However, he does catch the big shows and know what's going on. So he, uh, he's, this is like a, you know, 26 year old man. He texted me and he said, I don't, I don't get the hook thing. And, uh, and I, you know, my best answer is I, I don't think there's anything to get. It's just so cool. He's just so cool. Uh, so again, QT Marshall, as as he did also on Rampage, like I said, we're already jumping around, as he did on Rampage with um, Keith Lee, the man can bump. I think it's a little bit weird. I, I, felt, I felt like on Rampage, like, I don't know, I just, I think I'd rather see Keith Lee throw around Aaron Solo than QT Marshall, just because just the size discrepancy doesn't, like, there's not enough of it for me, but it was, I thought he was even better in the match with Hook on the pre-show, so I did really enjoy that, you guys, and, um, and what else on the pre-show? Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. I thought the women... First of all, Chris Statlander is... I, I think I've said it before. Is the most underrated superstar. Superstar. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm just going to leave it in. I'm just going to keep going. She is the most underrated professional wrestler uh, on this roster. She is so good and is able to have a banger with just about everybody. And I say that because she had a banger with Ruby Soho. Uh, and you guys know how I feel on that front. So... Yeah, I, I think um, I think this match they, there was it was definitely choppy at points, but I, I thought there was a lot of effort. I liked that there were I think there were three whole women's matches on this card. Like we're making progress here, um, pre-show or not, uh, and uh, and I liked the finish and I thought it made sense. But some of these spots were really just fun and and hard hitting. And really, I thought I thought this match in particular kicked off what what became just a really violent pay per view. Like 
the dropping on people's heads and the oh it's just like like gritty and violent and this was to me like the precursor to all of it so I really enjoyed that and obviously with Layla Hirsch getting the win overall guys before I get into the main card I will say there was also that six-man tag team match which was good I I I I don't know it it was it, the story has not been, like, super ideal for me. I know a lot of people are into the House of Black stuff, so that's great. It was good to see Eric Redbeard. Uh, but this is exactly what you would expect kind of to have with these six men. Like, the, it was a banger of a match. There's not much more anal- analyzing to do than that. Uh, Buddy Matthews looks incredible. I hope he's able to do some single stuff one day, but um, I, I, he can't be that young. Again, it's I know it's my gimmick to know um, how old people are, but I don't know how old he is. Uh, he looks about in his 30s. Am I right about that? 33. Yeah, okay, so he's got plenty of time. I, I just, I'd like to see, um, plenty of time. Like, I, um, Brian Danielson is in his 40s, as as are many of some of the other greater wrestlers in the world right now. So, that's my point. He's got plenty of time, God willing, you know. And I, I just would like to be able to see some more singles stuff in his, um, in his mainstream North American career. Let's put it that way. So, but yeah, I enjoyed the matches. Everybody did. You know, some of the spots they did were absolutely absurd. There was that like slingshot Canadian destroyer thing that Penta did again. That was just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, and then this, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do my best to be the most positive I possibly can be. I promise. And we're not gonna we're not gonna dive into everything here. Uh, as I say that, I'm I'm saying that more for myself, less for you guys, because. We don't have time to cover everything that happened this week, but I do want to quickly say that um, I'm going to do my best to be positive about Revolution, but there were some stuff, there was some stuff that I just didn't agree with and just didn't flow well for me. I thought the ma- the whole pay-per-view as a whole, I've heard people say it was better than All um, all Out. I just totally disagree with that. But again, that's a subjective point of view. So you're going to enjoy what you're going to enjoy, and I'm going to enjoy what I'm going to enjoy, and that's really all this whole thing is. So... Uh, with that being said, same deal with uh, this opening match. I don't think this was the m- match that should have opened the show. I, I think, yes, it-, it was awesome. It started off with Chris Jericho getting dropped on his head, which was really uncomfortable for me. It was- just to watch a 50-year-old man get dropped on his head, it can get a... It was a little just scary. I mean, a lot of these bumps were really scary, but as-, as over as Eddie Kingston is, and, you know, Chris Jericho, obviously, with the stuff that happened on Dynamite, which we'll talk about in a minute as well... Um, I guess it makes a little more sense. I just think, uh, I don't know, knowing knowing what happened with the women's division match now, the main the main title with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, it makes a little bit more sense. But I would have loved to see them kick this pay-per-view off. I thought that would have been a really cool, like, uh, new trend to put, because that crowd was hot. Right off the back in that pay-per-view, they were hot for this match. And uh, I think it would have been a good slot to put the women into. Yeah, you've you've trained your audience to not really care much about your women's division. So I think it would have been a good uh, counter-argument to that whole point. And I think it would have been a perfect match for this this opening slot. But they didn't do that. They did not do that. They went with uh, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. And yeah, this match was violent and hard-hitting. And um, it, was not, it wasn't five stars to me. Uh, and I think Chris Jericho oversold it on the promo on Dynamite that uh, that Wednesday. But um, like it wasn't one of the greatest matches of his career to me at all. It, it was good. Don't get me wrong. And like I said, I sound spoiled because these guys are dropping each other on their heads. But it wasn't... Chris Jericho in his illustrious 30-year career, 30-plus year career, has had way better matches than this. So I thought they oversold that a little bit. But wrestling's funny that way. Pro wrestling's kind of like, 
you know, it's like the season finale every month, but then, then the next season kicks off right the next day. So you kind of got to keep it going. It's like, this is the biggest deal in the world, but then next week is going to be the biggest deal in the world. And then the next week is going to be the biggest main event that ever happened. And this pay-per-view is going to be the biggest pay-per-view that ever happened. It's, it's kind of, it's just the, the, the suspension of disbelief that we have to have as wrestling fans. And it's not hard. It's not hard most of the time, especially when you get like good matches. Like I said, I I enjoyed this for the most part. I think I'm just not, um, I'm not as high on this feud as other people are. So I, I I don't think it deserved the coveted opening of revolution pay-per-view slot. I think other matches could deserve that. You could have put this tag team match, this triple threat, the, this three way Jurassic express, red dragon and young bucks, uh, tag team match, as the opening thing that would have worked as well it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh, you could have put the Face the Revolution ladder match first, I thought. You could have put MJF versus CM. I really think that should have been the main event. Honestly, if I were to maybe book this card, this card, knowing what I know now about the women's division and all this stuff, I might have put the World Championship match first, put that on the card first, and I would have put, um, uh, what's it called? I would have put CM Punk and MJF as the main event last. Uh, I know they have a a rule where they like to keep the world heavyweight championship as the main event always. But I don't know when the story, like the story that clearly the greatest story being told going into this match, at least I think subjectively, but from what I've seen from what other people view, they, there's a lot of people in agreement is MJF CM Punk. And, uh, and I think that absolutely should have been the main event. Uh, it just told a better story than Adam Cole and Adam page did. Um, which to me, not to jump ahead, but was kind of, just I, it seems like they're doing more with it, and, and I don't think this is the end game for that feud at all. But it definitely felt like a precursor rather than like some big finale, and and I don't think it deserved the main event slot, title or no title. Um, all right, so let's move on. Let's keep going because we talked about Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. So I guess let's jump. Let's jump on over to Dynamite. I'm really trying to change things up and not do it in the typical chronological order. But I'm going to be honest with you guys, it's not easy. Uh, I don't know how Matt does this, but. So yeah, on Dynamite, our first opening segment was another promo segment. Uh, Chris Jericho coming out and basically saying that he was, well, basically saying he was a little bitch boy and uh, he should shake Eddie Kingston's hands or he should have shook Eddie Kingston's hand. Little do we know, of course, this is all a trap. 2.0, after they shake hands, 2.0 come out and attack them. And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh. 2.0, excuse me, and Daniel Garcia, who, by the way, look like an absolute piece in that white tank top looking thing. I, I try not to call it a wife beater anymore because I feel like that's not... I feel like somebody should have canceled that by now. But, uh, yeah. So, Daniel Garcia 2.0 come out for the beatdown and I said, I, I swear to God, I swear to gosh, I swear to, I swear to whoever, you know, father of the universe, whatever, I, mother nature, 
I swear, if they we go back to this, I'm 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 gonna need an inhaler again, or I don't know, I'm gonna need an antacid because I do not want to see more 2.0 Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho, Inner Circle crap anymore. Like we we did every variation of the match. Yes, this was a little bit different, of course. So instead, what we had was the turn, and Chris Jericho turned. And really, I I did like that they didn't. They really just threw Jericho down to the ground, and he sold the neck, and they didn't really beat him up much. They just beat down Eddie Kingston, so that that made more sense to me than um, I'm going to go way off track here. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched TNA. Uh, if you did, I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Um, like if you watched Impact and TNA, like Power or Impact Now, TNA formerly, power to you. I, I actually wish I had more time to watch Impact Now, which is a totally different show than TNA was back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I'm talking about like, Five ten years ago, uh, so Bully Ray, Aces and Eights, this whole feud storyline thing was essentially they were like finding out who, who. Essentially, Bully Ray at the end of this reveals himself to be in Aces and Eights, this faction. And um, the problem was, is like seventeen times on the road to that reveal, Bully Ray got the crap beat out of him by the faction. So it's like I had to take those beatdowns for the greater good, but like no, you just look stupid. Uh, and, like, I'm not a goldfish. I remember those things. Even at 12 years old, I remember those things. And, uh, and then I saw, you know, I, I got sick of Hulk Hogan on my TV, so I stopped watching that. Um, I had a lot more spare time as a 12-year-old. So uh, I managed to be able to watch a little bit more wrestling TNA in my day. And there was no AEW. So it was it was literally the only alternative uh, that a little 12-year-old Mimi had in North American wrestling. Uh, so yes, so so th- I enjoyed all all that to say is I enjoyed the fact and I like the fact in small detail that they didn't attack Chris Jericho really because uh, that always looks stupid to me. Uh, I don't know how long this has been going on the form the like forming forming this whole faction. I don't know how long it's been going on. Uh, I thought the pinnacle formation was a lot more well done. Uh, sense like making sense wise, sensible wise, but like. Uh, Yes, yeah, so we have, for those of you who don't know, it is, or need a reminder, 2.0, Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, and Jake Hager, who, like, had a moment, like, oh, uh, it came out, and he was like, what are you doing, Chris Jericho? And then he was like, oh, wait, okay, I know where my bread is buttered. Like, I am nothing if I am not Chris Jericho's heavy. And it's it's pretty much true at this point um, in AEW. He looks great, by the way. Jake Hager got himself, got himself in shape for whatever reason he did that. Power to him. He looks awesome. Maybe we see him in the octagon again at some point, or maybe he just... Wanted to get in shape. Maybe his contract was up. I, I don't know exactly what was going on. But, um, yeah, so so that's your new faction. And they are called the Jericho Appreciation Society or something like that. Am I messing that up? Jericho Appreciation Group. Uh, and a couple things. I like that uh, the beatdown Santana and Ortiz, I, I don't know if I mentioned that part as well. They came out to try to make the save. And, and, that's, and, and really, Chris Jericho like, smacked them with that baseball bat with Floyd. Uh, the, they did the Chris Jericho sledgehammer spot, which I absolutely can't stand, but um, we all have our own little, like, things that bother us in pro wrestling, and that's one of them. Like, I just, I, I see, I've just, I'm not, I'm not for, I, I see your hand. Like, it's just, they, they got to come up with a better way to do something like that. So, anyways, um, they don't have to. It works, and I don't, I don't think a lot of other people have a problem with it. It's just one of my pet peeves. But, yeah, so a couple, couple, positives to this and a couple uh negatives uh highs and lows for lack of a better term throw back to that um I like 
I'm excited for the back and forth between 2.0 and Chris Jericho. I think that's going to be great. I like the self-awareness of Chris Jericho, owning up to the fact that, yeah, like, he's been kind of a you-know-what lately. And uh, and and now he gets to actually live up to that. I, I don't know what they're going to do about Judas. I assume nothing. I assume he's just going to continue to be sung to the ring, and then we're going to supposed to boo him afterwards. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I think the song is great, and I think the whole Judas vibe thing is like I, I, from if you haven't been to a live AEW show, there's it's special. It's like a special thing to be a part of. It's true. So I don't know what they're gonna do with that, but um, yeah, I think 2.0 and Chris Jericho are gonna have great back and forth. I think Daniel Garcia is gonna learn a lot from being around some of the guys that he is, specifically Chris Jericho more so. But uh, I think Daniel Garcia looked great. I, I don't know if I. Agree like I don't know this is like nor positive or not positive nor is it negative but I don't know if I like Daniel Garcia being in this group I just I I don't think like he doesn't come off to me like he should be in a group called the Jericho Appreciation Society or whatever they um whatever they called them Uh, I'm not sure about that um maybe and I'm gonna let this play out maybe this is all a you know slow but sure turn of of whether they turn on Chris Jericho or vice versa and you know Daniel Garcia just gets sick of his you know what I was like especially after they've been teasing maybe Daniel Garcia to be in this dojo thing with William Regal and and um Brian Danielson and uh John Moxley so I don't know it just didn't really I just I was hoping Daniel Garcia was going to be a little bit more associated with them when he broke away from 2.0, but it sounds like he's sticking with 2.0, and I'm willing to let it play out. I'm excited to see the chemistry between all these guys. I, I don't know what this is going to look like, and I'm not. Um, it's kind of too early to make any opinions on it. Uh, that that's where I'd see things going is maybe a slow turn from. Um, I assume 2.0 and t- Daniel Garcia and everybody would just turn on him, similar to like what we saw later on in the show with. Um, the Hardy family office, the Andrade Hardy family office thing. Um, what did uh, Mary call it last week? Like the Hardy house party or something like that? I love that. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I can't really make any judgments on where they're going from here. Sammy Guevara, conspicuous by his absence. I'm curious to know what Sammy Guevara is going to be thinking about this. Just lost his TNT title uh, to Scorpio Sky on the main event of this same show. And... Uh, and no inner circle to fall back on. So I don't know what happens with Sammy Guevara. I don't know where we're going with that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on as we continue to go down the Revolution card. I think I'm going to use Revolution here as kind of a um, a starting point. But yeah, so, and you know, another positive to this was uh, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's promo was just like tear-jerking wonderful. And, you know, like what else is new? But really... Um, he manages like he just manages to make this thing feel so much realer than than it already does uh he's just he has such a a i can't think of another word to it he just has such a realness about him and uh and when he shut that guy down for trying to do the what chance that was wonderful it's just wonderful i i'm excited to see that brings me to like i'm excited to see when eddie kingston and john moxley's paths kind of cross again i don't know how we're going to get there but i have a feeling they probably have some kind of roadmap to get there so um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed this and I'm excited to see where it goes. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, 
working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And, uh, and I'm definitely... I'm definitely on board with um, them switching stuff up. I think the inner circle, I don't think it was dry at any point. I, I think because they really didn't drain the well that much at that point because we hadn't seen them together a lot. But I don't, I also don't know, like, more 2.0 Santana and Ortiz stuff. No, thank you. Um, I thought Santana and Ortiz and Chris Jericho just kind of made up. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm going to stop now and move on to the next thing. I'm, I'm going to let it play out. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see where this goes. And the next match on the Revolution card was Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks. Uh, similar to the beginning match, I think you could have cut off about five minutes of this because there was about five, maybe not five, three minutes, three minutes. I'll be generous. There were about, it's like, I get it. You guys cannot coexist you have a plan you're not going to stick to Jurassic Express is going to retain because you guys aren't like this this was just such an obvious story like it was so clear as day the minute they announced a three-way it was it was very contrived how we got to this whole point so as enjoyable as the journey was with all this all these great matches and stuff like that and the Young Bucks the Young Bucks is just like a typical Young Bucks match there's nothing you know Young Bucks Jurassic Express Red Dragon I'm not going to complain about the quality of the in-ring whatsoever. It was just kind of clear, like, what was going to happen? The Young Bucks and the Red Dragon were going to work together without, like, who was going to win the title at the end? Like, what's the plan? They're like, you didn't stick to the plan. Like, how, how is this going to work out in the end? One of you has to pin somebody else. Somebody has to win this match. So, it, just the little plot holes like that, um... Maybe, and in my head, in my little head canon, I was basically like, maybe they wanted to take out Jurassic Express so they could fight it out between themselves, a mutual respect kind of thing. But, like, I had to make that own story up in my head. I don't know. Maybe maybe that was the uh, plan they were referencing to. But I just think, um, I think as fun as this was, it was a lot of moving parts, lived up to the hype of a Young Bucks three-way match, absolutely, again, with Red Dragon and Jurassic Express. I thought there were some absolutely insane spots the high flying spots destroyer spots spots sparts destroyer moves um and and people getting dropped on their head again more violence more craziness awesome like i cannot complain about the quality of the match whatsoever it just went a little long for me uh, like to, to tell a very obvious story it was very self-indulgent and unnecessary um for what was just going to be a title retention, and I don't think anybody was doubting that. So, uh, but Bobby Fish, by the way, looks like ten years younger. Just want to throw that out there. So, uh, in regards to Jurassic Express, Young Bucks, Eddie Kingston, not Eddie Kingston. Now I'm thinking about him because of this first thing we were talking about here. In regards to Jurassic Express, Red Dragon, and the Young Bucks, we move on, and I guess this kind of brings us to the main event of the show as well. But uh, later on, when we were talking about. Uh, Adam Cole coming out after the match against Dante Martin on Dynamite basically being like, I'm going to, you know, you get two of you guys. I'm going to get two of my best friends. They're young guys. They're whatever. Uh, we're going to team up. And then it ended up being not the Young Bucks because they don't want to fight Hangman Page. They're quote-unquote over it. You know what I mean? Uh, which really is like this slow, wonderful face turn for the Young Bucks that's just happening. That's the one thing I really enjoyed about this match. If you watch carefully, yeah, they're still their little, you know, 
cocky you know what's like they're still doing their thing but if there's little by little like you know during their entrance i noticed as well like there are subtly very slowly a face turn coming and i'm looking forward to it and we got more hints dropped about it uh with adam cole teaming up with red dragon to face next week on dynamite to face hangman page and jurassic express so it just feels like a lot of different combinations of rematches though i'll say that so all right, moving now, we had the Face the Revolution ladder match, and this was absolutely wild. I loved the Orange Cassidy spots. There was a spot where Orange Cassidy just got thrown over, like whoever was on the outside supposed to catch him. Like, he just got chucked a little bit too far. The spot with Wardlow and Hobbs and Keith Lee on the stage was awesome. Oh, poor Ricky Starks with the powerbomb from Wardlow. But all in all, guys, Wardlow taking the cake, taking the brass ring, uh, this was this was probably my this I enjoyed watching this match. This was the best like cocaine filled spot 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 match of the whole night. I think over the tag like for me subjectively, I just enjoyed it more than the tag team match. I enjoyed it more than the um, match we got before the main event. I, this was just so much fun to me. I'm I'm invested in so many of these guys. I really like Will Hobbs. Really think Powerhouse Hobbs has got a lot going for him. I think Ricky Starks is incredible. Who doesn't think Ricky Starks is incredible? Like he is just oozing charisma. Everybody loves Orange Cassidy. Uh, Wardlow, what they're doing with Wardlow is just absolutely incredible. And we will talk about his his stuff on Dynamite 2 as we get to the CM Punk MJF match. Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Uh, I'm a little worried. It's kind of fading into what are you doing now just going against Team Taz. It seems like most of these new, debu- new debuts just go and face Team Taz. Or they face QT Marshall and Keith Lee has done that all in one night on rampage so and christian cage you know probably somebody there just to help these guys put this match together honestly and uh and yeah i think Wardlow winning was an awesome decision especially with what we got followed up on dynamite on wednesday but we'll get to that as we talk about the cm punk and mjf match which uh was soon to be after the tbs title match between jade cargill and ty conti uh another fun match similar to the pre-show match between uh Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch, I thought this was a little clunky at points, but it definitely felt like a fight rather than a match, and I think that was the place to go with it. Uh, both women still obviously on the newer side. Ty Conti has been awesome to watch develop and get better each time, though. And, uh, and yeah, they just, like, hit each other, and that's what I've been, I've been... I've come on this podcast how many times, guys, just saying, like, like hit each other. Just hit each other. Stop with these weird spots and trying to do this move and that move. Just, like, beat the crap out of each other, uh, you know, safely, um, as you do in pro wrestling. And it, and these two women definitely did that. Jade Cargill looked awesome. Uh, I didn't think this match needed to be on the pay-per-view again. I just I think maybe if this whole thing was sequenced differently, I would have had a different view on it. But I, another match I didn't think needed to be on the pay-per-view. TNT title wasn't defended on the pay-per-view. I didn't think this one needed to be either. Uh, but... Maybe they didn't want to set that precedent that every pay-per-view um, TNT title and TBS title aren't defended. It just seemed, again, it was kind of unnecessary, but not because it wasn't a good match. Just there was a lot of wrestling on the show. A lot of wrestling on the show, you guys. But I did enjoy it nonetheless, and it was a nice change of pace, I thought, from the rest of the card. But um, moving on down the line here, guys. CM Punk versus MJF. For me, the match of the night. Uh, uncomfortable. Absolutely, definitely uncomfortable, uh, you know, 
the marks of the chain on these guys' bodies, the amount of blood, especially CM Punk. He is the second best bleeder in AEW right behind the bunny. But yeah, I mean, this, the promo that he cut beforehand as well about how he was, uh, is we got to change CM Punk, the promo that he cut on Rampage, excuse me, before the actual um, pay-per-view. I mean, and, and then the story beats throughout this entire match. First of all, the gear, the ring, the, I, there's some, if, correct me, you guys can't correct me right now, I guess, because you're not in the room with me, but from what I understand, there was some discourse online about, like, the Ring of Honor music and that it was confusing for some people and it needs to be better... Like, so everybody can understand, even casual fans and stuff like that. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I think CM Punk himself was the one who said the casual fan doesn't really exist. This myth, mythical casual fan. And even if you didn't know about the Ring of Honor music and the gear and all that stuff, like, first of all, I think Excalibur explained it. And second of all, like, right at, right away, by the way, right away. And second of all, like, 99% of us are on the internet. You know what I mean? If you're watching this pay-per-view, you probably have some connection to the internet. Look it up. Look it up. It is not that hard to find and figure out. Information is right there. It's not like you had to go grab your local encyclopedia and look it up in a book. Um, it's literally right there at the, our fingertips, guys. So I, I don't know what the discourse behind that was. I thought it was a really awesome, really awesome change of pace and a move because CM Punk or MJF, who, you know, this idea that was pitched by so many people, oh my god, MJF should come out with CM Punk's music, and then it won't actually be CM Punk, it'll be MJF, and it'll be this really good heat-seeking thing, and yada yada yada. Like, that whole thing that we all pitched, they end up doing, but they do at the blow-off of the feud. Just so awesome. And then CM Punk couldn't really come out of a cult to personality after that, so he comes out to the Ring of Honor music, Looking intense as always, all white, of course, the white, tra- uh, excuse me, the white basketball shorts, saving them until now. So, uh, we see just again, CM Punk bled. I, I mean, it was, like I said, it was uncomfortable and worrisome at some points. And then, guys, the ending, there were all these wonderful little beats in this match. The thumbtacks, I thought, were, it was built really, really well. Salt to the Earth, the Anaconda Vice. Like, this was not. Uh, a, you know, thriller match like your uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match or the three-way tag team match we got earlier on. Like, this was a different kettle of fish. And if you like this kind of stuff, then you loved this. Just so many little details that were paid attention to so well. And the thumbtacks looked like, I don't even think, you couldn't even see him in his back as, as much as you have been able to in other matches. But the way they built to it was so well done that, like, it felt, it just, it, it felt like a guy was falling on thumbtacks. Like, I was not desensitized at this point. I don't know how, I don't know, again, I don't know how maybe you guys didn't feel the same way, but I just think they took their time getting from one spot to the other, and this match deserved all the amount of time it got. Uh, I, like I said, I really think this should have been the main event, especially with the ending. Wardlow coming out, unable to find the ring. You know, Max is yelling for him, unable to find the ring, and then up. It's just, we've all had that moment, you know what I mean? We think something's in one pocket, we think our wallet's in one pocket, we got six other pockets, and it is in the other one. And what does Wardlow do exactly, exactly what MJF asks him to do in the first place, and just leaves the leaves the ring in the ring. Nope, leaves the ring in the ring. Leaves the diamond ring in the wrestling ring. Uh, and CM Punk ends up using it, and throw it back all the way to the beginning of this feud, right? What did CM Punk say to MJF? He said, the only way you're able to win, I'm paraphrasing, the only way you're able to win, the only way you've gotten this far is with Wardlow in that ring. 
And uh, what does CM Punk do to defeat CM Punk? Uh, to dis- defeat CM Punk? To to defeat MJF? Wardlow and that dang old diamond ring. Uh, my favorite match of the night. Uh, again, hard to watch. Hard to watch. And definitely a bunch of callbacks. Just the, the Ring of Honor match. Uh, the dog collar match in Ring of Honor with Raven and CM Punk. But definitely the most like well-told story up to this point and well-told story throughout the match. Uh, let's talk about Dynamite, though, guys. Let's talk about what a lovable human being Wardlow is. Uh, I assume all the stuff that he said was like a true story and whatever else, but he comes out, talks about that he grew up in a poor family, and he took the job with uh, MJF because it would allow him to get a foot in the door into being a professional wrestler because he's always loved professional wrestling uh, and have some money to support his family. He needed uh, financial stability. He needed financial stability. Uh, however, MJF embarrassing him, humiliating him, and the last straw being that he slapped him on a. I think it was Rampage or was it? No, it was Dynamite after the segment. It was after the beatdown segment with CM Punk. That being the um, last straw with such another nice detail where, again, similar to the Chris Jericho stuff where all this stuff is paid attention to. So it doesn't look like, oh, you know, why did Wardlow go out there and help MJF and beat up CM Punk? But then, you know, the next night he's like, oh, never mind. Forget about that. I was just acting like, no, the last straw happened afterwards in between those two things. So really, really, really strong promo. Wonderfully well-spoken. But when he tripped up on his words, which he did, because, you know, a promo is not easy. And this is still newer to Wardlow for us, you know, and... uh but even when he did, he felt he came across so endearing, like just like a good guy. Uh, and and I, I hate to make the comparison, and I don't know if anybody else has or whatever, but this is what Brian Cage lacked, for me at least. Uh, not just a great story with two of the greatest storytellers in professional wrestling right now, you know, with this being a part of that whole storyline, you know, once in a lifetime, like, all-time dream feud happening like that was helpful for Wardlow for sure too but what what he has that kind of Brian Cage was lacking for me was just this genuine like genuine feeling of of I don't even want to use charisma because that's not the right word but like likability you know who who else in the room likes Wardlow and and I thought Wardlow came across wonderful uh because I haven't heard a bad thing said about this promo so he was awesome, really impressing, exceeded the high expectations you already had. And um, and I'm really looking forward to, like, what's happening next. Obviously, he said, you know, I'm still under contract with MJF, but I just I just don't give a crap anymore. And uh, this is Wardlow's war now. War- Wardlow's world now. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with MJF. Obviously, we know MJF, the benevolent man, is not just going to let Wardlow, you know, be done with the contract and and move on and sign with AEW once he wins the TNT title, if he does. Uh, I was thinking about it today as I was watching Rampage this morning, actually, uh, and and I'm wondering, is is Wardlow going to beat Scorpio Sky? It almost felt like a given, uh, and I know we haven't talked about that yet either, so spoiler alerts, but... um, now that I'm thinking about it, like, I think one of two things happens. One, he beats War- uh, Scorpio Sky easily. One, two, three, boom, Powerbomb Symphony, easy. Or two, he doesn't beat him, and it's because of Sean Spears and MJF. 
the pinnacle is no more, supposedly. So I think it's really just MJF and Sean Spears at this point, uh, which I, I want them to stay together, absolutely. I think Sean Spears is a perfect little side guy for MJF, and I think he plays his role perfectly. So I, I don't want that to change, but um, we're going to talk about that, I guess, too. Or we can talk about it right now. There we go, because I don't think I have that anywhere in my notes, so I don't want to miss it. But, yeah, uh, I don't want to say that. I don't know if the pinnacle broke up or FTR left the pinnacle, but they definitely kicked out Tully Blanchard. Uh, which, you know, I assume he's going to stick with some backstage stuff and that's fine. And, and honestly, I, I, I think it was nice that AEW gave Tully Blanchard the recognition that he never really got for being, you know, one of the four horsemen. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm not going to miss Arn Anderson and him threatening to have a match every other week. I just, I don't need to see the old men fight, you know, go Go just do your thing. Uh, that's okay. So if, if Tully Blanchard is just going to be like a backstage presence now, maybe they just kind of don't need him anymore. That's okay too. Like people have this weird uh, view that like people's contracts running out and stuff like that. Like is this a terrible thing? Like, yeah, in some cases it's sad and people, you never want somebody to lose their job. But like, and I'm not saying Tully Blanchard's contract ran out. I, I don't know what his status is and what's going on next. And like I said, he's probably just going to do backstage stuff, but like, when wrestlers or, or promoters or whoever, managers, all this stuff, like, their contracts ran out or they were done in one promotion or whatever, like you just, like, you move on to a new promotion. And I'm not saying he's going to WWE or anything like that. Maybe he goes and plays a big part in the whole Ring of Honor thing they're going to start up. So, uh, whatever he does, I'm sure he's going to be fine because he's Tully freaking Blanchard. But it was... Um, surprising and and I'm curious to know what's the deal with FTR and the pinnacle if they are all still you know buddy buddy or if we uh are getting a split off from them uh or if we're just not going to talk about the pinnacle for like three months again for some weird reason um yeah I'm, I'm excited to see but Wardlow is no more with the pinnacle and uh and you know MJF I'm so happy that MJF and CM Punk yes we got a bloody CM Punk promo but after the match for revolution that aired but I'm so happy that better than Chris Jericho getting pushed off the blood and guts cage, CM Punk and MJF sold the injuries and the gravity of that uh, dog collar match that happened on Sunday by not appearing the same freaking week on Dynamite. So, all right, guys, uh, let's move on down to uh, Britt Baker. Let's talk about the women's division. Let's talk about this women's division title match. So, kind of a weird journey I had with this one, or I think a lot of other people had too. And um, and I want to say that this match definitely under-delivered. Uh, it was a disappointment. It was absolutely a disappointment. And I don't think it was all the women's fault. I do think that the chemistry that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa seemingly displayed in this Lights Out match, this like elusive Lights Out match, honestly, guys, I, I was a big fan of it too. I thought it was a great match, but we have built that thing up way too much at this point um, as this like all-timers classic. It was a really good match. It was a really good match, and it was a really awesome step for the women's division, and it was bloody and violent, and it made these two women's careers. Definitely. Uh, more so Britt Baker, obviously, and she'll tell you that up and down 95, but, like, it, it having a good match almost a year ago is not a good excuse for putting on this, you know, B, C-plus at best, back-and-forth, 15-minute match, whatever it was, First of all, they got put in between John Moxley and Brian Danielson and CM Punk and MJF. 
you could have put any match in between there and and I, it would have struggled. I really think what you should have done is put probably like the Face of the Revolution ladder match in between there. That probably would have been something to get people hyped up again. But um, yeah, I, I, I think this match on a whole disappointed, but it didn't disappoint because of the finish and because of the actual ending. I think I think you could have done this on TV, definitely. Um, because obviously their plan was to get to the blow-off for the St. Patty's Day, whatever. Tony Khan loves a good year-long thing, year-long storyline. He loves a good start date, end date, you know. Um, so that's why we're getting the steel cage. And I said it, I said it exactly when Britt Baker won the, the, or won the match, retained the title. I said, watch, guys, there's going to be a steel cage match because of all this interference. It was clear as day where they were going, but it doesn't make an excuse to have a, you know... B to C plus subpar mid match 15 minute match on pay-per-view like I don't know like if you want people to pay per view you got to give them something worth viewing and um and this was a letdown uh the new women's title awesome awesome finally no more McDonald's toys guys we made we, we continue to continue continue to push push back and push back and say we want better for this women's division, because they deserve better, and um, we're just gonna have to continue to keep doing that. Obviously, on Dynamite, we had Thunder Rosa versus Layla Hirsch, which I thought was a great match. Really, I thought these two women. Um, I think again, a little clunky, and that's just gonna happen when you're still a little bit green. And and, and honestly, I think um, I think there's a lot of pressure being put on Thunder Rosa to carry some of these women too. And I'm not saying Layla Hirsch isn't great. She she definitely showed how awesome she was in that pre-show match too. But um. This I I enjoyed the Layla Hurst Thunder Rosa match more than I did the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match. So let me put it that way. But yes, Thunder Rosa. Oh my God, the way she sold the gravity of winning this um number one contenders match, going to the steel cage, I thought was all really great. I I didn't love Britt Baker's promo afterwards. I thought it was repetitive, redundant, um, which is ironic because I just said the two things and that you get it. If you get it, you get it. Um, English jokes, and uh. And it all just felt very contrived as well. Again, it's kind of like, I love, and I'm sure the Destination guys this week on Dynamite is going to be awesome. I'm sure the Steel Cage is going to be awesome. The actual match itself, these two women seem to be able to pull stuff out of their you-know-whats, you know. So I think this is going to be great. But the journey to get there is going to be remembered as a disappointment, for me at least. So, sad. But uh, but something really good in the women's division I don't want to forget to uh, mention is Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida. Like, yes, uh, it's on Rampage. Hikarshita had this promo about how she, uh, I think it it might have happened last week on Rampage, where she came, yes, her return, Hikarshita returned, um, and she stopped Serena Deeb from beating the you-know-what out of a rookie after the match again. But the promo that was on, that she cut on Rampage this week about, you know, you can try to break my leg, leg again, but I'm going to, like, cut off your head. Oh, my God. It was just like give me these two women in an iron woman match i just i want it i do i I want that give me them give them the entire rampage card for a night or something if you won't put them on dynamite i think uh yeah it's been very match to build a match kind of feud but it's one of my favorite things going on on dynamite and uh as long as they don't try to like oh this is one of the hottest feuds ever in dynamite like don't patronize the women you know pat on the head like sometimes i feel that way when the commentators are like this is one of the greatest feuds and like no it's not like we've had feuds in uh aew like brian danielson versus john moxley which we're going to talk about next we've had eddie kingston cm punk we've had cm punk mjf we've had eddie kingston john moxley 
We've had Chris Jericho, uh, John Moxley. We've had MJF, Chris Jericho for some people. We've had Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. We've had, we're having, right, the whole Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page stuff still. We've got the whole Adam Cole, Hangman Page. Like, this is not one of the greatest feuds that has ever happened in AEW yet. But it's definitely entertaining, and these two women are awesome in the ring. So I'm excited to see where they go with that next. Hopefully they get enough TV time. And again, I say put them in a, at least put them in like a 30-minute Iron Woman match. I guess they don't really do that because give them an hour. Just give them an hour. I'd really love to see that. I I think that would be awesome. Uh, Even if it's on dark, I'll go. If you put an hour-long Iron Woman match, Serena Deep versus Akara Shida on dark, I'll watch it 100%. I will make the time to watch that live. Um all right, moving on. Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. That also happened on Revolution. I've heard some great stuff about this match. I've heard some not so great stuff about this match, and um, I think it was very—I don't mean repetitive, but I think I think that there were some really cool spots in this match, like when they were just kicking each other in the head when they were both locked up. Like I thought that on the ground that looked really cool. They were like, you know, belittled to children, just kicking each other in the head. Um, that was a good, that was a great spot. And the the after the match part we'll talk about too was awesome. And where this is leading to is awesome. However, I I think the vibe, where we were at by the time we got to Brian Danielson, John Moxley, the crowd, the vibe, everything. It, I think this for me was just the way that some matches had a little bit too much time on them. The way this whole thing was formulated, that this whole thing didn't really hit. I did love the ending. The ending, obviously, with the roll-up of John Moxley. And then afterwards, they still kept fighting. And it wasn't like, oh, that was just cheap finish. It was like, yeah, let them keep fighting, please. Like, totally fine with that. That finish made the most sense to me. And um, it keeps both men, kind of, both men on equal fitting. Like, I can kind of get you whenever, and you can kind of get me whenever. And then, uh, which they should be for the story that they're telling, right? And then we had William Regal coming out, like Daddy Regal coming out, slapping them, slapping the taste out of both of their mouths. And forming, uh, first of all, putting, uh, cutting a heartfelt, lovely, just raw promo on, uh, uh, not raw promo, like raw as in uh, feelings, not so overscripted, not NXT war games. Like, it was just a raw, nice promo on Dynamite with Tony Schiavone, kind of flirting with Tony Schiavone. I ship it. Um, but yeah, uh, on Dynamite with these two guys and talking about how John Moxley is this amazing professional wrestler in spite of all the stuff that he's been through and... Brian Danielson is the exact exemplary of a perfect professional wrestler. And so uh, then they had a match with, um, I forget their, I'm, uh, it's, it was, and you know what, I want to, you know what, I'm going to look because I want to give them credit uh, because these two guys were actually really good and it was really fun to see specifically um, Anthony Henry, Anthony Henry on Dynamite, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry, I thought, uh, played the part perfectly. I don't know how I was feeling bad for a man like J.D. Drake, but again, this is the power of Brian Danielson, and John Moxley definitely does it as well in his own way, but um, can make like the bigger guy just look like a little baby in comparison because of the technique and the violence that they both apply. Uh, again, specifically Brian Danielson, but I am living for this tag team. I'm loving where they're going. Poor Wheeler Yuta is going to get the crap kicked out of him by John Moxley again next week when they go uh, against best friends Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta versus Brian Danielson and John Moxley. So I'm living for this. And and overall, I thought the match was great. I just think, I just think if it if you put that match anywhere else, it would have thrived much more. And and don't get me wrong, guys, I really did enjoy it. And the stiffness between and the, again, these guys kick the crap out of each other. 
it was just a long pay-per-view. It was a long night and uh, and a lot of inessential stuff that harms the more essential stuff. And I thought this match was more essential. And um, and then we got this trios match. Hardy, Cassidy, and, El- and Andrade versus Sting, Allen, and Guevara. And guys, Sting is a wild man. He's a wild man. He is a wild man. The table bump was absolutely absurd. The Spanish fly was in crazy. The missed coffin drop was sad. Three memorable spots from that match that went on way too long. That was a plunder brawl. Maybe not way too long. It just, this match was, didn't need to be on this card. It just didn't. You could have put the trios match. You could have put the, you need like these little like cocaine bangers to basically break up the pay-per-view and break up the card. But you could have put uh, the face of the revolution ladder match here, I think. I think it was a sequencing that threw me off for most of the pay-per-view. And, and this match just, it just didn't need to be on the card. It just didn't. It was unnecessary. And it was really cool. And I don't want to sound like I'm not being grateful for these guys putting the body their bodies on the line. But um, especially the mic- missed coffin drop was sad. I know they put their bodies through hell, but um, it was definitely a downer. But, uh, and, like, it sucks that that's what we're remembering from that match, too. Out of all the, uh, and crazy memorable stuff, it sucks that anybody's even talking about that. But, um, yeah, I, I thought this was fun. It just was unnecessary. And it didn't really, it wake, like, it woke me up, but then I was just kind of disappointed with the main event. So, but let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy and everybody, uh, Everybody was memeing the Jeff Hardy dancing thing, even though his brother is getting beaten up. That was wonderful. I did agree with that. Um, the thumbs up, thumbs down thing from Private Party. Private Party, A-H-F-O, now becoming the A-F-O? Andrade's faction now turning on Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is now a Hardy boy again. Uh, I like that he addressed that he has been kind of a you-know-what lately, and he's going to be better and different, and they obviously had this planned that it was happening. Jeff Hardy looks nice. Uh, it For me, let me put it this way, guys. When I was when I was a kid, and we're going to take, take you on back with me, when I was younger, I love Jeff Hardy. I had the little uh, armband things you can get off the WWE shop, like the little fake arm things. Like, I had those. I wanted to paint my hair. I wanted all the tattoos, which I, I kind of succeeded, I guess, with some of that. But, like, I wanted to be like Jeff Hardy. I thought he was the coolest. And he jumped off stuff. And and uh, and I loved Jeff Hardy. I really did. And and I did as I got older, too. And I still love Jeff Hardy to an extent, you know? And I will, I will always be grateful for all the stuff that Jeff Hardy put his body through. The Hardy Boys, both of them, right? Like, their peak in the 2000s. And then later on, Jeff Hardy's peak, really, uh, in the main event picture with Triple H and Randy Orton and stuff. He was kind of your first Daniel Bryan story that, for me, at least, that I can remember. And um, But nowadays, guys, watching Jeff Hardy wrestle hurts me because he just looks like he's in pain all the time. Uh, he just looks like he's hurting and, uh, and maybe, maybe he just needs to get rearing and ready to go. And I would love to be proven wrong that these guys can still go. I just, I just don't need a legacy, another legacy act in AEW. I I didn't, but I understand why you bring in Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is a draw. Think about the one time of TNA. If you didn't watch TNA, and you think about in your casual wrestling, or you are like a fan of WWE or you're a fan of AEW, whatever. But you think about TNA and you think about the one time of TNA that's probably most popular that you've heard about, that you did hear about at the time. Last time TNA was really, the uh, TNA specifically, so not even Impact. But the last time TNA was actually really relevant 
was the Hardy Boys. The broken verse universe thing, right? Jeff Hardy doing Jeff Hardy things. Uh, these guys have star power and they are definitely a draw and they are going to bring eyes to the AEW product. So it makes perfect sense why you sign them. My one concern uh, outside of all this and, and obviously, guys, I am I am just another human being. I don't have any uh, right to make any kind of judgments or anything and I would never make any kind of judgments about somebody's struggles, but I will say that it is a risk to sign Jeff Hardy. It always is a risk to sign Jeff Hardy. It's a risk to sign anybody, but it is more of a risk to sign Jeff Hardy. Just as, sadly, like, it's a risk to re-sign and keep John Moxley. Like, it, it's just a risk to sign somebody with a substance abuse problem. It's a risk to hire somebody with a substance abuse problem because you never know. With that being said, it's, like, also a risk to have Roman Reigns as your main guy because that's a, you know, a disease. He's got leukemia. And if he gets sick again, then it sucks. Like, he's out. So it's, there's risk with everybody. And there's different kinds and higher risk of, other, uh, of certain people. But it is scary to think to me, right, why did Jeff Hardy originally get released with WWE? They thought he was having some kind of substance problems again. Uh, they asked him to go to treatment and all that stuff. He said no. And now he's in AEW. I'm just... I, I, I'm just I'm just a little worried. I'm just a little worried because I love I like as a fan I've always loved Jeff Hardy. I've always loved Jeff Hardy, and uh, and we as good people who listen to the show because only good people listen to the show. Hopefully, we don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. So that's just some of my thoughts about the whole thing. But it was good to see him back, and it was an emotional moment to have them hugging. And I understand why you signed Jeff Hardy. You get a Darby Allen match. You get a Sammy Guevara match. Like there's so much to do with Jeff Hardy in AEW. And I hope he proves me wrong and shows me that he can still go and it doesn't hurt me to watch him wrestle. Uh, he doesn't look like he's in terrible amounts of pain. Um, real quick, before we go back to the main event on Revolution, we had Jungle Boy versus, uh, excuse me, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus The Acclaimed. By the way, Luchasaurus in that three-way tag team match, something else, right? Something else. Uh, but I liked The Acclaimed's rap. In this, I, I thought the fact that they had the title on the line was cheap and unnecessary. It wasn't announced nearly in enough time beforehand and felt like a cheap grab. I don't even know why they had to do that. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's talk about let's talk about the main event here of Dynamite, actually, before we go back to the main event of Revolution. And have that be our main event. But yes, we had Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky, with Scorpio Sky getting the win for the TNT title. And... Um, Boy, do I have a lot of thoughts about this match. I, I don't think it was the wrong decision to put the title on Scorpio Sky. It, mostly because hopefully Scorpio Sky won't carry around two belts for absolutely no reason. No reason to have two belts. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, I think the optics were a little bit funny with the whole Ty Conti thing. When I, maybe time has no meaning, but maybe it was like a year ago. But it felt like we just did the Sammy Guevara proposal thing. I, I think time just has no meaning for me. Um, so I'd scratch that. Scratch that off the record, but... I will say that this felt grabby as well. A lot of Dino felt grabby. With the table spot, like, was unnecessary. It was cool, yeah. But it was so unnecessary, and it didn't really apply to the story that well. If, if the story that is being told to me is Sammy Guevara is a crazy cat who did the Spanish fly off the thing on Sunday, so his ribs are still hurting... And then he did the 450 through the table, and that's hurt him, and he almost gets carried out, and then he's like, no, I'm going to wrestle anyways. And then 
Uh, and then he comes in the ring and spits in Scorpio Sky's face. Like, Scorpio Sky, like, like it's the bad guy's fault that he is taking all these terrifying risks. Like, you were trying to land on Scorpio Sky. You were trying to take that bump with Scorpio Sky. Like, you were trying to do that to him. I just didn't. The optics for Sammy Guevara as the babyface were not good in this match. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, I don't know. It didn't, this didn't make a lot of sense to me. So, uh, and I wasn't, uh, I like Paige Van Zandt. I think Paige Van Zandt has a lot of star potential. But this was all so confuddled everywhere and wh- whatever else. I don't know, guys. Let's talk about the main event of Revolution and then get the heck out of here because my mouth is dry, I'm tired, and I'm supposedly supposed to go to Ikea. <laughs> so, Hangman Page versus Adam Cole. First of all, I want to say I loved Hangman Page's gear. You can tell what state you are in by a lot of the booze that Hangman Page seemed to get because of his gear. Uh, or because of whatever else, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say some of it might have been because of his gear. And, uh, and that is uh, uh, coming from somebody who wants to move to that same state. So I'm not uh, I'm not coming here with no evidence. Um, I, I have definitely, definitely, yes, there there is a lot of certain kinds of people in that state that have certain kind of views, and they were definitely not aligned with uh, Hangman Page's gear for that night. Let me put it that way. But the Adam chants were hilarious. I thought that was great. I thought that was one of the most entertaining parts about this match because this felt like an NXT TakeOver main event. Uh, It's exactly what it felt like. And some of the NXT TakeOver main events were great. Some of them were 40 minutes long and two hours long and unnecessary. And I thought the kickouts were unnecessary. I thought the rope grab was unnecessary. Like, I didn't think they needed to do everything they did in this match um, because... It seems like they're continuing on the story. So I, I just, I really wasn't a fan of this main event. I wasn't a fan. I thought it was a good wrestling match. And I thought the rest of the card, if if the rest of the card maybe wasn't so long, maybe I would have enjoyed it more. But I, I thought that, um, again, more table spots in this, like that felt grabby. Like how many times are we going to put someone through a table? Uh, I, I didn't mind the kick out of the boom with the knee pad on. I liked that little spot, but I, it, again, to me, I take it back. It just felt unnecessary. How many how many Panama sunrises did we do? We did one outside of the ring. Like, I just, it felt like let's just hit our big spots and kick out of them, which is very WWE, and, and I wasn't, I just wasn't a fan. This subjectively wasn't for me, and um, it seems like we're carrying on the feud, I don't know why they're separating Hangman Page in the Dark Order. I, 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 a lot of this, I'm ready to just like let play out, guys. I, I'm not going to make any judgments from here on out. I'm similar to the uh, first part of the show. I'm just, uh, and similar to the Jeff Hardy stuff. I'm just going to be along for the ride and not make any judgments until we see what's coming down the pipe. So, that was your AEW Weekend Review review. I just talked straight for about an hour. So, if you guys are still here with me. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mimi Burris. Let me know your thoughts about all of this stuff. And, um, and yeah. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEpodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to Patreon.com slash WWEpodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.